Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 51, How to Feel Better. And I cannot believe we're over the hump of 50. And I say we because this is our podcast. You share it, you listen, you give me feedback. You are the gas to this car. So this podcast would not be possible without all of you. So I just want you to know that I'm in it with you because every single day I feel a little bit nauseous and a little sick to my stomach because I'm always trying to stretch and grow to the next level. So I don't want you to think that there's a destination. It's a constant evolving journey. We're all in different classes. Some of you are in the same class as me. I'm in the same class with you. So I don't want you to ever think that I'm any different than you. And I say every single week, I'm not that special. I'm not special at all. And my kids aren't special. And I don't mean that they're not special. I just mean that they're not any more special than your kids. And when I say I'm not special, that I'm trying to let you know that there's nothing different from me than from you. Because the once, as soon as we can get ourselves on the same playing field and the same wavelength and the same vibration, then you can see yourself in me and I can see myself in you. But whenever there's some separation, like if you put me on a pedestal or if I put you on a pedestal, then there's separation and distance. And then it doesn't seem as possible. It seems out of reach. It's almost like a destination addiction. But I just want you to let you know that I'm feeling the 50-50 all the time because now I'm helping regular people become life coaches. So I'm seeing everything that they're struggling with and I'm trying to talk them into the river of misery. And Brooke talks about the river of misery of being the place between where you are and where you want to be. Because once you get to where you want to be, you look back and you're like, oh, that was no big deal. If you've ever lost a significant amount of weight, you know how hard it is when you're in the middle of it. But when you're done, you're like, oh, that was amazing. It's like childbirth. Oh my goodness, that was so hard. I'm never doing that again. Then six months later, you're like, you ready for another one? Because you have to go through that river of misery and that's the painful brain power that it takes and it hurts because it's so much growth. And Brooke told me one time on a call, she said, you either have to feel the discomfort of stagnation or the discomfort of growth. Both are very uncomfortable, but we always get to choose. And we're all just kind of used to stagnation. Our brain thinks that it's more comfortable, but I love the quote that says, after a while, you realize that your comfort zone isn't that comfortable. But when you know that your brain is always working against you because it always wants to feel that sense of coasting, that sense of stagnation, that's when people feel stuck. I hear from so many of my clients and so many moms that I work with, Kelly, I just feel stuck. I just can't find my mojo. I just feel like I'm sleepwalking through life. I'm just in a funk. And I'm like, I know that happens to me too when I just kind of coast. We always have to choose the discomfort of stagnation, which is coasting, just kind of going along, going with the flow not really have any zest, any pep to life, or the discomfort of growth. And we get to choose all the time. So last week, I talked a little bit about 
losing weight, why it's so hard. And it has nothing to do with the food and exercise, but it has everything to do with the food and exercise. I also talked about laundry and why when we have a relationship with laundry that is so combative, then we're always going to be us against laundry. So when I talk about helping people feel better, people know what to do, but then they don't do it. And that is because it's the motivational triangle of the seek pleasure, avoid pain, and be efficient. So the brain is always trying to seek pleasure first. Now, remember, this does not mean there's something wrong with you. Do not make it a character assassination. So many people that I work with are beating themselves up that they're lazy, that they have no discipline, that they're a procrastinator. And then they become what they tell themselves that they are. So if you read any books or watch any documentaries or try to figure out how to find inner peace, the number one thing people will tell you are things like get enough sleep, exercise, meditate, eat right because the food is the gas for your car, journal your feelings. And those are all very boring for people. It's always very boring for the brain too, because the brain, when it goes to meditate, it starts to spaz out. When I first started to meditate, I had never had like that long of a conversation with myself. So I was very uncomfortable listening to my own thoughts. I was like, what Facebook can I check? What can I fiddle? Should I go on Amazon? So that discomfort was so unbearable. So I could only do like 30 seconds at a time. I could only do it in the car line. And then I would literally be thinking to myself, when is this over? When is this over? When is this over? So the pleasure of what the brain wants is it wants to be rushed, rushed, rushed and addicted to busy. It wants to be high on that. I was used to, I used to be so high on being a taskmaster of having things to do. And then when there was like an empty Saturday or an empty block of time on a Sunday after church, I was like, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? And I would start to spaz out a little bit. So the brain is saying like, let's just go relax. Let's avoid that painful past. Let's not think about that person that hurt us. Let's just stay in our comfort zone. Let's get our jammies on, a big tub of ice cream, and let's go. But then what happens after you choose the pleasure or the brain chooses the pleasure, then you have the pain of a highly reactive life. Everything's in reactive mode versus proactive mode. You're super busy. You don't have time to even brush your hair. You feel super drained, overwhelmed, a constant state of stress. Kids are acting out more because they can see how stressed you are. So they're just a constant mirror to us. And it's that like frenetic energy of not being able to slow down. And I only know this because I live this. And I went to a meditation class and she taught it so well, the greatest analogy. I'm an analogy junkie. And she said... If you've ever been to the beach or you've ever been scuba diving, the reason why people love scuba diving is because they love to go in the deep, deep ocean and go down to the bottom. It's so calm and peaceful at the bottom of the ocean. They can see all the animal life and the coral reef, and it's utopia down there. And then when they come up to the surface, they come up, then they refill their tanks and go back down for some more. And she said meditation is a lot like that because when you meditate, you are actually training your brain to go down deep into the ocean and find that peaceful energy and kind of shake up that sand down below so it comes up to the surface of the water. And at the surface of the water are the dishes, are the tantrums, are the to-do lists, are getting the dog a haircut, bringing your kids to get their haircut, signing their permission slips. That's all at the top of the water and everybody has that in their life. 
But when you meditate, you teach your brain to go deep down into that sand and conjure it up. I always thought meditation was for people who were super stressed. And so I always thought you're supposed to do it in the morning and I'd wake up and not be super stressed. I'm like, I guess I'll meditate because that's what I'm supposed to do. But she explained it better. She said, no, you do that five, 10 minutes in the morning and you conjure up all that sand. Then at two o'clock, when the dog is barking, the phone is ringing, there's a tantrum going and someone opens a Sprite and explodes all over the place. That is when you are able, your brain can kind of dig into that sand and pull that calm and peaceful energy, even though everything around you is going crazy. Do you see how that would work? So the meditation that you do in the morning or in the car line or at night or all those three times, you're bringing up that sand. So everything in life is NBD, no big deal. I wish I could get a bumper sticker, NBD. So then you teach your kids how to be calm when all alarms are going off at once, because it's almost like you have a remote control and you can not pause everything that's happening, but you can start to see things almost in slow motion. It's like in that moment, you hop in a helicopter and that's when you become conscious because you're the watcher of your life. You're standing outside of your life and you're more proactive versus reactive. So when you want to learn how to feel better, the best way to do that is to have a very intimate relationship with yourself, listening to yourself, honoring your word, having an integrity, having your own back, and then doing things that blow your own mind. So it kind of quiets the mind a little bit. So when you think about meditation, it's very painful. So you have to choose pain first, then the pleasure comes later. Like the pain of sitting with your thoughts is very painful. So when people say, I can't meditate because I can't stop my thoughts, that is meditation because you just keep coming back. For me, I don't know why, but the word kale has been very helpful for me. You can choose another mantra word. I just say kale, or I'll say kind, abundant, loving energy. Kind, abundant, loving energy. All in my head. I'm not sitting at a bus stop saying it out loud. But I'm just saying it. And if I don't say all four words, I'll just say kale. I'll just go back to kale. So you have to see your thoughts as like those waves in the ocean. They come in and they come out. They come in and they come out. And the trick is not to ride any of those waves. So when you go to meditate, sitting with your thoughts, very painful, very uncomfortable, says the brain. It feels very boring. Your to-do list is going to pop up in your head of all the things you should be doing. It feels like it's useless time. It's pointless. You can't do it. And feeling your feelings is hard, especially if you've never done it, if you've always turned off your feelings. I was so addicted to busy before I started doing all this that feeling my feelings was so uncomfortable because I only wanted to feel happy thoughts. When they were negative emotions, I'm like, let's push them away. Let's be super busy. But when you do the pain in the beginning, then the pleasure that comes later, this is when you have to have delayed gratification. You're calm in your kids' storms. Your kids chill out because you chill out. It's like magic because, like I said, everything is NBD. No big deal. You're just babysitting God's children. They're just on loan to you. They're just here for 20% of your life, 940 Saturdays, a very short snippet of your whole entire life. If they're in your life and your four walls for 20 years and you live to be 100, that's 20% of your life. That's why the sense of urgency 
is like, yesterday, this needs to happen. That's why I'm always trying to help the moms, trying to help them. If they want to have time freedom, get the time freedom now. If they want to feel comfortable in their own skin, do it now. If they want to stop yelling at their kids, it's now. Because the way that we treat our kids now is the way they're going to be expected to be treated later. And when I say later, I mean in their adult relationships, in their high school relationships, when they get a boyfriend, when they get a girlfriend, when they get engaged, when they have more serious relationships. So if there's lots of yelling and screaming or name calling going on, they're going to expect that later. They're going to think that that is normal because we're writing on their unconscious brain. Because as an adult, we know 95% of our thinking is unconscious thinking, means we've already thought it before. We've thought it so many times that it's just like sliding down the same ski slope. So when we know that we're wiring our children for love for these 18, 20 years that they're in on our four walls, that's super empowering. So whenever you start something new, just know that you're going to have a huge river of misery. And that's normal. That's part of the process. That's part of the human experience. I help people start to journal and start to do their thought downloads every day. Very, very painful because the pleasure part of the brain just wants to shove it all under the rug, doesn't want to think about any of those things, doesn't want to think about that person that hurt them last week, last year, when they were five years old. It just wants to rest. It just wants to relax. It doesn't have time to journal and do thought downloads. That's silly. Even though 150,000 people and so many scientists have said, this is what's going to help you feel better. But people push it away because the brain wants to seek pleasure first and avoid pain. So I help people flip the switch and choose pain first so the pleasure will come later. So when you're thinking about journaling or doing a thought download, which is going to get those thoughts out of your brain, it's like cleaning out a closet. All those things are going to come popping up in your brain. That's the pleasure. But then the pain comes later. If we could avoid the pain, I'm all for it. But it just doesn't go anywhere because the pain later is that it just gets bigger. It's the messy closet that we're ignoring and it just becomes this snowball of pain and we're carrying around all this old pain that we don't need to carry. It's like if you've ever cleaned out your purse and then you walk around with your purse, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so much lighter because you might got rid of, you might have gotten rid of some Tic Tacs and some change and some old keys that don't belong in your key ring anymore. And then you're carrying this purse that's so much lighter. You're like, this is amazing. I didn't even know my purse was so heavy. That's the same thing that can happen with thought downloads and meditation and journaling. You get it out and it's not stuck in your brain. It's not stuck in your purse. Then you're not so overwhelmed because the pain later is overwhelm. And that fear of the avalanche is why most people don't like to think about their thinking because they think if they start, they're never going to be able to stop. And it's the exact opposite because it's just like if you do clean out your closet, that first purge is really, really hard. It might take an hour or two, but then maintaining that clean closet takes a little bit of effort every single day. It's kind of like if you're losing weight. For me, I think losing weight is so much harder than maintaining. I think maintaining weight is so much easier. But losing weight for me is hard. But then when you're maintaining, it doesn't take as much effort. That's the same thing when you're meditating, doing thought downloads, whatever you're trying to create a new habit. In the beginning, it's hard. People are very scared to go on the weight loss journey with me. They're very scared, even though they're at a size 18, 20, and they want to be at a six to eight size, size six to eight. Even though that is such a desperate need for them, they are so scared because they're afraid of being hurt. They're afraid of putting themselves out there, telling their spouse that they're going to do this. And they're so afraid that they're going to fail. So they fail on purpose ahead of time to avoid that pain. 
that's what the brain does. It like when you see people self-sabotage themselves, that's the epitome of self-sabotage. But when you're doing journaling and you're doing thought downloads and you're exercising and you're eating right and you're clearing out your mind, that's the pain first because it's very hard to look within. If you have a strong-willed child, then that is probably because you are a strong-willed parent. And I only know that because I have one and I was one. And they're not so strong-willed anymore because I'm not so strong-willed. Because everything, let's say it together, NBD, no big deal. Because I'm doing all this stuff on my side of the street and I'm not focused on their side of the street. So the pain when I go to do the thought download is, oh, I don't want to look within again. Are you kidding me? I don't want to lift underneath that rug. I don't want that avalanche. I don't want to feel my feelings. I don't have to time. I don't have time to do this. But I tell my brain, oh, no, no, don't worry. The pleasure's coming later. And then the pleasure that comes later is you don't have so many tabs open in your computer. You ever had too many tabs open at the bottom of your computer and then you start getting the rainbow wheel because it's like overload, overload, overload. That's what happens when you don't get some of that stuff out. Getting it out with exercising, with mind management, with thought downloads with meditation, that's how you get them out. You get them out and you can kind of get some distance on them so you can get some kind of control over them. You feel empowered over them because you see them as just sentences in your mind. They're just words strung together that are causing an emotion. What happens is our brain gets addicted to certain chemicals. So if your body, if you're so used to stress all the time, if you came from a very chaotic childhood or your 20s were super chaotic or your family is super chaotic, your brain is super used to giving off all of those chemicals of anxiety, the cortisol, the adrenaline. So it almost becomes addicted to those chemicals. So when things are calm and steady, the brain starts to panic because it's releasing those chemicals still, but there's nothing to kind of catch that emotion. So then it starts making up thoughts. Conversely, if you're doing these exercises, like you're exercising, doing the thought downloads, doing your self-care, having discipline, keeping promises to yourself, thought downloads, when you do all those things, then your body gets used to releasing the happy chemicals, the endorphins, the serotonin. And so it starts releasing those chemicals and gets addicted to those. Because if we get addicted to stress, then the body keeps releasing cortisol, even when there's not a stressful event happening. And to get off cortisol addiction, it's like going to drug rehab. It feels very uncomfortable. And that's where the river of misery comes in. Because it feels so uncomfortable because the brain is so addicted to the stress that it keeps producing stressful situations to contain the stress, to acknowledge the stress, to meet the cortisol that's being released. And so you do the pain first of looking within, lifting under the rug, cleaning out the closet, addressing the avalanche and realizing that it's not such a big avalanche. And then the pleasure that comes later is that you don't have so many tabs open in your computer. You don't feel that sense of overwhelm all the time because you know that a sense of overwhelm does not come from your circumstances. It comes from your thoughts about your circumstances. And so when you don't have overwhelm, you're like, hey, I'm, I'm the boss here. Let's go. And then you know it's like the facts of life song. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. And so you feel lighter. You're calmer with your kids. You're sweeter to your spouse. It doesn't feel so heavy in life. And then you bring that into all your relationships. And you know that it's 50-50. So then when 
you don't have you have the anxiety being released into your body and you have the cortisol, but you don't have to, something to catch it. You just allow it and you don't have to answer to it and it gets less pressure. It gets less intense. It's not holding that beach ball underneath water. You're like, oh, this is anxiety. For some reason, when I go lay down, I go to lay down for bed, all of a sudden, all these chemicals of cortisol come up. So much stress and anxiety for no reason. And if I have a reason, it's almost a relief that I have a reason. When we had a family member in the ICU, I could answer for it. But when you have all this cortisol and stress being released and you don't have an answer for it, like kids are good, parents are good, job is good. Oh man, the other shoe's going to drop. Then it almost gets stronger because the brain is afraid of joy because that's the most vulnerable feeling. But when you lean into that joy and you lean into that vulnerability, that's when you understand that you have control over the raffia. I'm sure I've told you that story before when we were making, my sister and I were making volunteer presents for our parents. She was a kindergarten teacher and I was a first grade teacher and she's making these raffia bows and she looks like Martha Stewart, like she could have gone to Martha Stewart University and taught the classes. And you look at my bows and they were like a first grader made them. And I was like, you're so good at those bows. I'm so bad at these. Major negative self-talk. She's like, don't talk like that. She said, you know what you have to do with this raffia? You have to take control of the raffia and show it who's boss. Don't let it control you. You control the raffia. And literally, that was about 20 years ago. And if I ask my kids or my sister or anybody in the family, what does control the raffia mean? They know exactly what it means. It means that empowered feeling, not that poor me, feel sorry for myself feeling, which the brain does on its own without mind management. Mine does it every day. You should hear me whining in my head and complaining. I annoy myself. So when my kids get annoyed with me and they're like, that's annoying. I'm like, I get it. I know. Grady said yesterday, he's like, I'm so mad at you. I'm like, I get it, dude. I get mad at myself too. I get on my own nerves. So then there's no tug of war. You just agree because there's always something right in what they're saying and what they're saying, especially when they're on your first rung of Saturn. So when you choose the pain first, you have to train your brain that the pleasure is going to come later. So it's almost like a first grader when I was like, they don't want to do their work. I'm like, you have to do your work and then we can go outside and play or eat all your veggies and then you can have dessert. That's the same way I talk to my brain. If I'm working really hard, I'm like, don't worry, Netflix is coming. Don't worry. And then the reward is the Netflix. You still allow yourself to have Netflix or the nap or the walk around the block or the sitting by the pool or whatever that is to decompress because your brain needs a break. We can't go all out all day and expect to be refreshed and happy and rejuvenated in our relationships with ourselves and then with the people within our four walls. So when you choose the pain now, the pleasure comes later. So if you choose that hard workout, the endorphins you have live with you all day long. That inner pride, keeping that promise to yourself, integrity, blowing your own mind, that comes after. People are always waiting to be motivated, waiting to find their passion, waiting to find their purpose, waiting and waiting and waiting. And it you find it on your path to doing the thing. I lost my one of my earrings the other day and I couldn't find it. And I didn't just sit here and be like, I wonder where my earring is. I don't know where my earring is. Where's my earring? And I just, I knew it was on my desk, but it wasn't on my desk. I'm like, I don't know where my earring is. I wonder where my, so I started clearing off my desk and taking things off my desk and it was underneath a piece of paper on my desk. But that's what people do when they're looking for their passion. They're just waiting for it to hit them. 
but you have to go out and get it and try something that didn't work. Try something that didn't work. I moved a piece of paper, earring wasn't there. Moved another piece of paper, earring wasn't there. Moved a book, earring wasn't there. And then I was like, I guess the earring's not going to happen. And then boom, there was the earring. It's the same thing when you're finding your passion, your purpose. So choose the pain now, the pleasure will come later. And next week, I'm going to talk about how it shows up in your parenting, how it shows up in your marriage, how it shows up in keeping your house organized, if that's a goal that you have, having it show up if you're trying to build a business online where you're trying to work from home. I think so many people are realizing what time freedom really feels like. And so now I'm helping people become life coaches. So if that is something that makes you tingle and makes you nervous, send me an email and I will teach you about what comes first, the pain now of the pleasure later, of financial freedom, of time freedom, of no commute freedom, of location freedom. That's a huge thing. And it's a whole new world now. So I will teach you what the painful thing is now. Then you go through the river misery and then the pleasure comes later. But you have to train your brain that the pain of stagnation becomes so overwhelming that you're willing to feel the pain of discomfort. That is the currency to your dreams, to feel that discomfort over and over and over and feel a little sick to your stomach every day like I do. And then you get super comfortable feeling uncomfortable. But I just want to reassure you, it never, ever goes away. I'm on episode 51, and every single time I sit down, I have notes, I've studied, I'm prepared, I've read books, I am ready to go, and I get the heebie-jeebies. My brain starts to spaz, and I'm like, no, movie night's coming, don't worry. Pizza with the family's coming, don't worry, you got to do this now, pain now, pleasure later. And then the relief and knowing the fulfillment that I'm helping you game on like Donkey Kong. I'll choose that all day, every day. So remember, it's supposed to feel uncomfortable because it's new and it's scary, but the other side is always worth it. I'll talk to you next week. I love you. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas. Thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level And we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt resonating moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.